Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles to Galatians chapter 1 this evening. Galatians chapter 1. Thank you, Abba. I noticed driving in with Steve tonight that uh, there was a jet stream right over the top of the church. The jet stream that affects the entire weather right over the top of the church. Hallelujah. And a beautiful full moon coming in. Amen. The full moon does not belong to those of the dark realm. It belongs to God's people. Rosh Chodesh in Hebrew, the celebration of the new moon. Hallelujah. We're commanded to celebrate on the lunar calendar. Um, just a quick little thing. Um, <laughs> it's been such a, a week of divine appointments. I mean, mind-boggling appointments. And... Um, so your congregation purchased a ticket for me to come out, and the ticket was very early in the morning to get out of Atlanta. And uh, I was kind of like thinking about paying the exchange fee and leave a little bit earlier, but it was really super early and had to get up around 4 o'clock in the morning after being eight hours in North Carolina. And anyway, make a long story short, the Lord said, no, don't, don't sleep in and change the flight till later. I want you to go. Now, now everything inside of me said no. <laughs> Hallelujah. Especially after doing a triathlon competition in the Smoky Mountains. And I just wanted to sleep. <laughs> I thought it would be a good training on early Saturday morning. And uh, because the Lord wants me to go back and do the Israeli championship in, in October and November. Israeli championship is in October, and then November is the European championship in Israel. So whatever the Lord is doing with this whole thing, hallelujah, it's incredible open doors. So I thought I'd do a training ride early Saturday morning up in the Smoky Mountains. Little did I know that we're going thousands of feet of ascent, and I was one tired camper after that. So I had to drive back. The Lord said, get up. And I had an opportunity not to get up. And we all have opportunities not to get up when God's telling us to do something. But I've known over the years that usually if when I don't want to do something is when God wants to do something. That's usually when I miss my blessing if I don't obey. So I knew through the years of having my senses trained to discern between good and evil that I needed to get up. Not just because God would be unhappy with me and I'd miss my divine appointment and got a few or more hours of sleep in. Um, but I knew that something strategic was on that airplane and I needed to be there. Hallelujah. But my flesh did not want to be there. How many people have been there before? <laughs> and I knew all the scriptures about dying to self and barbecuing the lower nature and all that, but I just did not want to get up. <laughs> but I made myself get up. Hallelujah. 
And I was little, you know, there was no Israeli coffee there, so I still haven't recovered yet. They have awesome coffee in Israel. Hallelujah. Don't they? And so I got on the airplane. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to go to sleep. You understand? I was not a happy camper. I was, I needed to sleep. And there was this guy that sat next to me. It was just like he started taking control of the entire airplane. I mean, he brought in a bag of newspapers, about, you know, 15 newspapers. And he was eccentric. And he was this. And he was that. And he's moving around. And I said, this guy either has mental problems and these demons cast out. Or he's somebody really important. And he's loud, and everybody can hear him in the cabin. I didn't want to start talking, because you know how it is in an airplane. Where are you from? Where are you going? You know, where do you live now? And as soon as I say Israel, oh, is there, people love it or hate it. And, you know, I just wanted to go to sleep on the airplane, please. So here comes the answer, the question. Where are you going? So I, we started talking, and um, anyway, make a long story short, uh, he asked me where I was going, and I told him to go in this area, and he says, I want to invite you up to my house. And uh, I didn't know who this guy was. Like, you know, who is this guy? But remember, you have to entertain angels awake. Don't be unaware, but you could be entertaining strangers or who are angels. Does that make sense? And so I kept on looking at this guy like, who is this guy? And uh, so we got talking. He says, I want you to come to my house. And and here's, here's my number, pulls out his card. And uh, he's a retired general for the United States Air Force. Listen, who's knew my father's squadron when my father was a pilot in the Air Force. And uh, anyway, those pilots that flew with nuclear weapons during the Cold War, they all seem to have a little fraternity going on. Anyway, we got talking on the whole flight. And I find out that he's the general that was in charge of delivering the F-16s to Israel that Israel later used to bomb the nuclear power plant at Iraq. Iraq. Saddam Hussein, remember that? So I mean, just bum, 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 bum. I'm like, who is this guy? Whoa, this is... And the flight goes like this. Like this. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Like this. I'm glad I didn't sleep in. Hallelujah. But we got talking about Israel and about counterterrorism, about Iran and about all this stuff. And I, want, I, I thought maybe he was just, you know, maybe a general of a tanker fleet or something, you know, or, you know. But I went online to look up who this guy was. I went, oh. and my sister in Phoenix was like, You sat next to this guy. You know who this guy is. Read about this guy. And so I started reading and I started realizing, Lord have mercy. Hallelujah. So this is uh, this is a pretty big, pretty big eagle, and one of the most decorated combat pilots in the history of America. And uh, he's really interested in us Jew boys. Hallelujah! For some reason, <laughs> so we're gonna go fishing. Hallelujah! I'm glad I got up in the morning. I'm glad I got on the airplane. So we have something for us to pray about. Hallelujah. He was in charge of special force. I mean, I just goes, list goes on and on and on and on and on. No wonder he took control of the cabin. No wonder he was, didn't care what anybody thought. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. Are you out there? So what I'm leading to is this, is that how many people want to be in a divine flow like this? 
And I want to kick myself because all those years I was like trying to make it happen. Come on. Trying to witness, trying to fast, trying to pray, trying to confess. Hallelujah. And it seems I have plunged unknowingly, glory to God, clumsy as I may have been, into a divine destiny of heaven. Hallelujah. Where you just get up in the morning and just get going. Hallelujah. And just draft behind the Holy Ghost, his gentle whisper in your heart. And all these crazy things are happening. Every single day. Woo! Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. I believe that's what the Lord wants to do tonight. He wants to, he wants to plug people in to a place pleasing him like we've never known before. And remember, Jesus went teaching, preaching, and healing. So if the anointing moves in preaching, great. Healing, miracles, wonderful. If teaching, we stay with that. Amen? We don't try to make God do something. We just draft behind him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me in the churches of Galatia, grace to you and shalom from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, or the Messiah, who gave himself for our sins, he might deliver us out of this present evil age, according to the will of our God and our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So notice he came to deliver us from this present evil age, not for us to coexist in this evil age. We're supposed to be different. Hallelujah. We're not supposed to be chameleons and blend in with what's happening. Now it says in verse 6, I am amazed that you're so quickly discerning him who called you by the grace of Messiah for a different gospel. The heading chapter here in New American Center says the perversion of the gospel. So the gospel message gets perverted when people desert, okay, or leave away from the original purpose of the message. Let's find out what that is. Verse 7, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you who want to distort the gospel of Messiah. But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now, I read this, and, I, and, and I'll be honest with you, brothers and sisters. I come back from Israel, from being remote in a really hostile environment, and I come back to America, and I walk through the airports, and I see the most popular successful preachers, quote, quote, successful. Their books are right next to the uh, Harry Potter books. In the inspirational section, go to borders, go borders, go to whatever these major airports and see what's being sold out there. See the message that's going forth. I believe it's a perversion. I believe there's a perversion of the gospel going on, and many people are like the frog in the pot of water, and it's slowly warming up, and they don't have enough sense to jump out because they are cold-blooded, not warm-blooded. Instead of having their self regulate their body temperature, okay, the environment regulates their body temperature, and people go by what their checkbook says or what CNN, the Communist News Network, or Fox, or whatever else says, or whatever is going on to regulate your excitement, okay, And we are not supposed to be cold-blooded, amen? We're warm-blooded. We are people, glory to God, that are detached from this world system. Hallelujah. And if your house gets foreclosed, praise God, worship Him. Hallelujah. 
What, maybe, maybe you'll die sleeping under a bridge when the wintertime comes. Hallelujah. Die of hypothermia and go to heaven. Praise God. What's the big deal? But we have to be careful that we don't pervert the gospel in this hour because we want to make the gospel make us feel comfortable. We have, that's the biggest thing I notice coming back to America, and I'm guilty of it as much as anybody else. We are too comfortable here. We have so many creature comforts. It's amazing. And we want God to move in this box, and God wants to move outside of this box. We right away think, well, what is my comfort level outside this box? What do I have to sacrifice? What do I have to sacrifice? If God is calling you, that, in, that enough should get you excited. Hallelujah. <laughs> so there's a perversion of the gospel. What is the perversion? What well, goes on, verse 9, as we have said before and say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, let him be accursed. I don't think Paul would be invited to some Christian programming right there. He could be coming in cursing the place. But we want a blessing. There is a perversion of the gospel going on, and the next verse outlines it beautifully. Verse 10, am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of the Messiah. And that's one thing. Folks, I used to pastor, and I had talked to pastors every day on the telephone, okay? They call me in droves all the time. And we talk, and we're friends, whatever. But the biggest thing that pastors have to deal with is the saints that keep on squealing and bawling like a bunch of babies because they got their bottle taken away. Thank you for your enthusiasm out there. <laughs> but it's the truth. Come on. You know, I did a little experiment. I have, we, you know, usually the, we have five children. Usually the youngest is the baby, remains the baby until he's like 80 years old. But anyway, and he just would not eat vegetables. And he gave this little act like he was choking when he would eat a tomato or something. But when I noticed when the tomatoes came on top of the pizza, oh man, he'd devour it. But tomatoes on the plate or in the salad, oh, he wouldn't eat it. You know, and women are called to be nurses, and men are called to be surgeons. Hallelujah. I'm like, amputate the thing. And my wife's like, no, honey, let's, let's put a Band-Aid on it. It's okay. Let's nurse it back to health. And so I just waited for my wife. She went away three days to visit her sister in Jerusalem. And I said, okay, yo, Tom, you and me, buddy. <laughs> you see that salad? You're looking at your breakfast if you don't eat it tonight. And we went back and forth for a couple days, hallelujah, until he got hungry. And now he loves vegetables. Oh, man, he eats. But if I listened to him bawling and squalling, to this day he'd still be a mama's boy. If you know what I mean? Oh, he put a big old tears or crying. My wife, no, leave him alone. You're tormenting him. Boy, you need your vegetables. And so the biggest thing that pastors go through is dealing with people that don't want their vegetables. And there's the constant, listen folks, there's the constant friction between those who don't want the truth and those who want the truth. 
Constant friction between those who do not want to change and those who want to change. Constant friction between do we stroke the people? Do we comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable? And so this is where we hit a cross in the road as ministers. For I am seeking the favor of men or of God. Am I seeking to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of the Messiah. So I want to please the Lord. How about you? Hallelujah. Glory to God. And uh, let's, let's plunge ourselves into this topic tonight. Hallelujah. Because I feel his pleasure. Glory to God. I'm experiencing his pleasure. Hallelujah. And notice here that he says, I would not be a bondservant. Now, the beginnings of, of Paul's writings, uh, you'll notice that he says he's a servant of the Lord Jesus. But at the end of his life, he uses not the word servant, but bondservant. We know somewhere in Paul's ministry, he matured to the point that he became a bondservant of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I tell you, folks, this is what it's all about. I remember when I first started traveling ministry that the Spirit of God spoke to me. He says, I want you to travel. And I started traveling. And I remember we were having powerful revival meetings, like I don't know how many days went, months it was going on in Canada. And we were bringing in like $70,000 a week, people just generously throwing money at the altar. And uh, the Lord came to me after three weeks and says, when are you going to preach what I want you to? I'm like, Lord, just one more week. I have all my kids' education paid. <laughs> one more week, Lord. <laughs> and he said, I want you. He, says, he asked me if I was a, 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 a prostitute or his servant. Are you going to preach what the people want? Or are you going to preach what they need? I said, okay, Alba. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. And we, that was the night excuse me, the next week that we went to the X-Files, the most popular TV series ever on planet Earth in Hollywood, North Hollywood, not in California, but in Vancouver. And we went there to blow the shofar, and there's people walking by dressed like vampires and multi-million dollars equipment. It was incredible. What I, and it was a live filming in the dark alleys of Vancouver that night, and I told the pastor, what is this? And he said, this is the X-Files, the most popular TV series at that time on planet Earth. I said, hallelujah, I've been looking to blow the shofar against this outfit for a long time. And he says, what do you mean? He says, this is awesome. This has brought such revenue to the city of Vancouver. I said, what are you, crazy? I says, this, ever since the fall of man in the garden, men and women have been trying to contact the dark fallen spirit realm. And we are forbidden in the Bible to interface with the occult in all these areas. He goes, well, I kind of like those shows. They're kind of mysterious. They get you thinking. I said, what, are you crazy? Pastor, please, go sit down over here, okay? Somebody give him a lollipop. Sit down over here, Pastor. We love you. He says, well, the police may come if you blow the chauffeur. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so we sounded the shofar, and the Lord prophesied, hallelujah, through that horn. You could hear it. And the, all the saints with us began to scream and shout, hallelujah. And the Lord said to prophesy for the destruction of the X-Files and that actors would get born again. And to the whole surprise, the pastor called me three days later. Did you hear his boots, God? Did you hear what happened? What happened? What happened, pastor? He says the whole X-Files had a contract dis dispute. It's over with. They're leaving the city. 
Totally. Leaving, and it's not recovered since then. They only show reruns or whatever that stuff is. Interesting, huh? And then the next week, one of the actors came into our meetings. He was one of the police officers on the X-Files, and he sat actually right there, and he looked at me like he wanted to kill me. And after three days, he came in the altar and got saved. Hallelujah. And I tell you, this guy had a lot of demons in him. Talk about the Gadarene demoniac. Man, this guy was boatload. He was to the rafters with devils. Took three days to get him out of him. Hallelujah. But it wasn't a deliverance like you laying hands on him and, you know, how many names are you? You know, where'd you come from? <laughs> no, it was just like the preaching of the gospel message. Hallelujah. Just began to break down that, that evil inside of him. <clears throat> and he finally got saved, came to the altar and... Um, was so excited, he began to, all he wanted to do was serve in the church and all these things, hallelujah. And after about a month of revival meetings, he was sitting in the back running the sound system, and he just said, Brother Scott, he says, listen, I can smell brake pads when you're preaching sometimes. And I know. He says, people don't want to hear about this entertainment stuff. People don't want to hear about movies. He says, you keep preaching it. And I said, well, thank you. I'll say G, I won't tell you his name. Thank you, G. It was, by the way, I got my last paycheck from the X-Files. Here, you can have half of it. Hallelujah, brother. It's like, glory to God. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> he said, I was an actor on the X-Files, and many times when everything was perfect, the lighting, the grips were in place, everything was ready, and uh, some of the actors would miss their parts, and you know the director was getting mad, everybody's getting mad at each other, that they would stop, and they would begin to have a seance. <clears throat> They would get in a circle and begin to chant the name, he said, <clears throat> excuse me, of an Aztec god of child sacrifice. And he says they call it the energy flow would come into the set. They literally would feel an energy flow would come into the set and they were able to do things and they would say things outside the script that became so popular and it really was a supernatural show from the dark realm. And he says, don't stop what you're preaching because people are watching and getting infiltrated by demons through entertainment and don't even know it. But that never would have happened and that exciting testimony and that big paycheck, hallelujah, and those, te come on folks, if I had not obeyed God, if I kept on preaching a nice seeker-sensitive message, hallelujah, So your obedience, if you're taking notes tonight, your obedience is directly tied to what God has told you to do. And if you don't do what he says, you can wander around 40 years in the desert until he says to do it. You say, well, we got the glory cloud, you know, we've got the, <laughs> we got the air conditioning by day, the heating by night here in the desert. You know, we got quail, we got manna every morning, nobody's sick among us, you know. Everything's going great. We got all the gold and silver Egypt. There's no shopping centers to, to spend it at. But, you know, we're walking around. We got all kinds of stuff going on. <clears throat> but we want to go back to Egypt. And God says, you know, I'll take care of you. But because you did not obey my word, you think, what is the word? The word was, I want you to go to war. And they didn't want to go to war. They were a bunch of sissies. The ten spies came back with a meathead report. There's giants, and we look like grasshoppers. And Caleb and Joshua said, come on, don't say that. Let's go. 
And God says, truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with my glory. How is the glory of the Lord fill the earth when his people obey him to go to war? Because this is how God gets the greatest glory for himself is through combat and defeating his enemies. It's a military book. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he wanted to go to war, and the people did not want to. He says, okay, I'll take care of you, but I'm going to lay you low in the wilderness. Because I'm going to look in the loins of the men for their sons to rise up. I'm going to wait until you drop dead in the wilderness, and I'm going to raise up your sons after you. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that God was not pleased with them. And he laid them low. And I don't want to be like that. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. So our obedience is directly related to his voice that says, do this, do this. And I guarantee you, 99.9% of the time is not something you want to do. But you can go around the mountain and experience his, you know, 30, 60 blessings. But what about a hundredfold? It's directly related to obedience in your life. Let's go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I may have spoke about this last time, but let's use it as a trigger point to go forward. And as the Lord is speaking through his word and you're hearing conviction, um, you're sensing some things you should have done, you didn't do. Uh, now's the time to take down those notes and, amen, shake off the dust and get up and go do it. Because you really can't go anywhere until he says, you know, did you obey what I already told you? Or did you forget? Hebrews chapter 10. For the law, since it was only a shadow of good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices year by year, which they continually offer, make perfect those who draw near. The word perfect there is tamim, teleos in the Greek where we get the word for complete or telescope. In the Hebrew it's tamim, which means to be blameless or complete. So to be complete or mature is directly tied to being blameless. Hallelujah. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have a consciousness of sin. So you can, it's, you can come to church and be free. Hallelujah. Not just come and take a communion wafer and feel the maintenance presence and feel that God's forgiven you. You can live a lifestyle of pleasing. Hallelujah. Not having to hide behind a fig leaf because you've disobeyed him and listened to the serpent. The devil made me do it. That's what people say all the time. The devil made me do it. Yeah, right. It goes on and says here, this is so powerful, I love this. But in those sacrifices, verse 3, there's a reminder of sin year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when he comes in the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou hast not desired, but a body thou hast prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast taken no pleasure. So we see here the entire sacrificial system. Not only did it point to Jesus taking away sin through his precious blood, hallelujah, but it also was a type and shadow of how not to please God, pointing us to a place we can please him. 
So the entire sacrificial system was written for us. It was written for us to take an example. And through those who much are given, much is required. We are living in a time there's a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. We are living in a time that we need to step up into maturity, hallelujah, and to run this race. Now notice here, God is looking for something that gives him pleasure. Read verse 5 again. Sacrifice and offerings thou hast not desired. Even though God told them to do it, he didn't desire it. Isn't that wild? Even though God may tell you to do something, doesn't mean it's his perfect exact will for you. It's a training step. Hallelujah. It's the training wheels on the bicycle, glory to God, to get you to a place in maturity. That's why you just can't park somewhere where God has spoken to you in the past. You have to keep moving forward in this hour. Now it goes on and says here, in whole burnt off, excuse me, sacrifice and offerings I was not desired, but a body thou hast prepared for me. Now notice the word here, body, is a translation from the Septuagint, which is 70 rabbis got together, Holy Ghost came on them in Egypt, Alexandria, okay, this is before Jesus came, uh, during the time that the Ptolemies, the, um, Alexander the Great died, one of his generals um, being to settle Ptolemy, the, the area of, of Sinai in Egypt under Greek control, Hellenized the city, Alexandria, Egypt broke out, one of the great learning centers, and they translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, it's called the Septuagint or the LXX translation. So all the writers of the um, New Testament are quoting from the LXX, okay? And notice here that the LXX says, but a body the house prepared for me. The word body is not in the original Hebrew. Why did they say body? Well, go with me to Psalms 40. We'll find out. And when you catch this, hallelujah. Psalms 40, a psalm of David I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. How blessed is a man who has made the Lord his trust, has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse into falsehood. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which thou hast done, and thy thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, verse 6 is the, trend, is the quotation, the reference of the Septuagint. Notice that it's different than the original Hebrew, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Sacrifice and meal offerings thou hast not desired doesn't say body, it says my ears thou hast opened. Burn offerings and sin offerings thou hast not required. So why does the Septuagint translation say body? The original Hebrew says my ears thou hast opened. The margin of New American Standard says my ears thou hast pierced or dug out. The reason why is because who knows what the great commandment is, the first commandment? Good, hallelujah. It, I said, what's the first commandment? I said, oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, love, 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 you know. It's not love. It's hero Israel, Shema Israel. 
Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Vahafta et Adonai. And you shall love the Lord your God. You can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength unless you first listen. And that's the problem we have in our culture. We're not listening. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. You can say amen or oh me, but it's the truth. We are a self-centered, self-consumers. You know, come on. And I don't like what that preacher's saying. I'm going to go somewhere else. If I don't like this, I'm going, if I don't like this, I don't like Come on. It's not like kids eating breakfast. I don't like those eggs, mommy. I want French toast. You got to have French toast every day. I want French toast every day, mommy. Think about it. We can't let our kids rule us. Man, this is for somebody here tonight. I don't know. Somebody, their kids. <laughs> People come around our kids. Wow, your kids are so well behaved. Oh, took some time. Hallelujah. But we're really happy. Hallelujah. Anyway, moving right along. So notice here it says, Sacrifice and mill offerings that was not desired, my ears that was open. The Septuagint translation, when God has your hearing, he has your whole body. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. How do you present your bodies on the sacrifice altar? By your ear. It's that simple. It's your ear. Hear, O Israel. If you look through Proverbs, it talks about it's Solomon giving instruction to the young men. The first eight chapters of Proverbs is not even Proverbs yet. It's just an introduction warning the young men to watch out for the evil woman. Listen, O son. You should get your red highlighter and just mark all the times the word listen is used. The first eight chapters. It talks about two women there. The first woman is the, is the adulteress, okay, who hunts precious life. The Bible says that her guests are in the descendants of hell. Her house is the gateway, the portal into hell. Then it says, Proverbs chapter 8, there's the wise woman, okay? And she stands at the highways and byways, the center of the city, compelling the young men to come in. And her house is the entrance to the glory realm. Hallelujah. And whichever woman you listen to decides your destiny. And then the Proverbs of Solomon begin, chapter 9. So the first eight chapters are not, even, are not even Proverbs yet. It's the introduction to tell people that don't want to listen. Come on. How many people have teenagers, 18, 19, 20 years old? Oh, don't they have a strange disease that they, they, they know it all? They don't listen, right? It took Solomon eight chapters to get through to him. Young man, listen to the commandments of your father. So we need to work on our listening more than we do our praying. We need to work. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. So important that we please him in this hour. He's looking for those. So notice here, sacrifice and mill offerings thou hast not desired. My ears thou hast dug out. We need to allow God to stick a clear tube down our ear canal the next couple of days, okay? And let him do what he wants to do into the tiniest bones. Think about the tiniest bones we have in our body are right there. And we say, yes, Lord, I'm here to do thy will. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Come on, hallelujah. 
I don't want the domino effect of his permissive will. I don't want the domino effect of disobedience. I want the domino effect of getting up in the morning yesterday. Hallelujah. Excuse me, two days ago and flying on an early morning flight. I didn't want to do it. Hallelujah. And there's a whole connection here. You think I'm just going to go there and talk about F-16s and then, you know, B-25s and all the other stuff? We're talking about Israel. Hallelujah. This is the guy taking care of Israel. IAF. Hallelujah. You understand what I, this is just one little example. Hallelujah. Now it says in verse 8, verse 7, Then I said, Behold, I have come, and the scroll of the book it is written to me. I delight to do thy will. And I've been here so I can teach about it, okay? I've been to this point where I said, Not my will, your will be done. Hallelujah. I've been there, folks. I know what it's like. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And all I can do is just share this to you through the motif of being the scum of the earth. Hallelujah. Nobody outside the camp that our blessings, our destiny is totally intertwined with hearing what he has to say and then doing it. Amen. Amen. Go back to Hebrews 10. (laughs) Hallelujah. So notice the process. God is looking for excavated hearing right now. Pierced. I know my your ear pierced, okay? I'm talking about excavated hearing. Let's read the context now. Verse 5 of chapter 10. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings that was not desired, but a body, which means a excavated hearing, thou hast prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, the house taken no pleasure. So we see here, it doesn't matter how much we sacrifice to God, okay, how many things we do for him. All that matters is, are you obeying him, what he's told you to do? Have you obeyed him? Everything else is secondary. Listen, I'm Jewish, I'm, from a, you know, I'm into long range investments, how about you? Hallelujah. I don't like paying retail, how about you? And I found out from reading the Bible that everything I do on earth now determines my position, rank, and reward structure in eternity. Hallelujah. So I'd rather obey now. Glory to God. Because what I do now, this fleeting vapor of a hundred years, is nothing compared to eternity. Hallelujah. Woo! And your size of your reward structure, your position, your rank in heaven is determined by your obedience right now. Not by just being a good person. Verse 7, then I said, behold, I have come, and the roll of the book that is written of me to do thy will, O God. Notice what the psalmist says by the Spirit. I've come to do thy will. And let's be honest tonight. Come on. Let's be honest. We really come to church most of the time because we're seeking his hand and not his face. Lord, I need healing. Lord, I need help. Lord, I need joy. Lord, I need this. I need this. I need this. And we're not seeking his face. Nothing wrong with seeking his hand, but it's time to grow up. Amen? You don't need a 50-year-old son living in your house. You're still taking care of him like he's some five-year-old. Amen? Time to grow up. 
You get this revelation, your life will be changed. Your life will become a total adventure. It's not, we give the devil too much credence. We give him too much reward, too much glory. It's not the devil. It's usually us. We're reaping what we've been sowing. It's not the devil doing all these things. It's just us not obeying God. And we've, you know, we got the backwash of it for years of disobedience. And tonight the good news is, hallelujah, you can have no more remembrance of those sins, glory to God, if you just turn the oven dial past 400 broil to self-cleaning. You can come to a place saying, what is you want me to do, Lord? It's not what I want. It's not, Lord, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. Lord, bless us four and no more. No, it's about, what do you want me to do? Oh, you want me to read the Fox's Book of Martyrs? Okay, yeah. And then you want me to be a martyr in Pakistan? Here am I. Send me, Lord. It's like, well, Pastor, can you pray for me? I keep on having these visions of Pakistan and blood and revival and you know what does that mean <laughs> go two-thirds of god's name is go two-thirds backwards is do hallelujah and the middle third will make you odd hallelujah Woo! verse eight after saying above sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin that was not desired nor hast thou taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law and then he said behold i have come to do thy will he takes away the first in order to establish a second for god to do something new in your life to take away the old and bring in the new there has to be you saying lord i will do your will and where did this happen this happened in the messiah's life at gethsemane it didn't happen at the healing miracles. It didn't happen raising the dead. It didn't happen taking on the religious rulers. It didn't happen in the teaching meeting. It happened when he knew it was his time of darkness. Hallelujah. And he went to that place in Gethsemane. What is Gethsemane in Hebrew? It's the olive press. That's where they crushed the olives. And to get out that small amount of virgin olive oil. Amazing. Hallelujah. There, looking across the Kidron Valley. Kidron and Gehenna Valley. When you come to Israel with us, I'll show you. Hallelujah. Gehenna, that's the Greek word for, for hell. Jesus is looking over. He wept looking over the city that you missed your day of visitation. I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers a chicken, but you did not want it. Therefore, your house has left you eremos or desolate. Until I return, you will not see me again until you say, Baruch Habab, Hashem Adonai. And even as I'm saying that now, there is a group of Jewish people. There are people being born again in Israel, rabbis, everything else. A small group is starting to flame up. Hallelujah. And they're saying, Baruch Habab, Hashem Adonai. Hallelujah. And he's coming back soon. Glory to God. You don't have to try to figure out what the... Uh, apocalyptic grand finale is going to look like hallelujah just when you see jewish people getting saved you know he's coming back hallelujah he says i ain't coming back when gog and magog and armageddon and this and that and iran and you know they change who i you know the antichrist is every week you know it seems like <laughs> one simple sign i like it keep it simple scott hallelujah when you say you'll not see me again until you Say, Baruch Habab, Hashem Adonai. And it's beginning to happen. Hallelujah. It's beginning to happen. It's beginning to rain. 
Hallelujah. Give me a preacher. I want to go back to Israel right now. Hallelujah. Think about this. He's at that very place where he suffered the greatest rejection. Jerusalem, the holy city that kills the prophets, kills those sent. Come on, hallelujah. Have you noticed when you do God's perfect will, people hate you? Have you noticed that? At that very place, he trained these disciples for three years and he approaches Gethsemane, and his heart became heavy. Why was his heart heavy? Because he didn't take his, you know, Prozac that day? Come on, give me a break. He entered Gethsemane because he did not, after that Passover Seder, he did not want to drink the cup of judgment. There's four cups at the Passover table. Okay, one of them is judgment. The same judgments God poured upon Egypt in the micro, he was going to pour in the macro upon Jesus. He was afflicted. He was crushed for our iniquities. Read Isaiah 53. Hallelujah. And he did not want to do it. God in the flesh did not want to drink this cup. And if he didn't want to do God's will, who are we to say, yeah, I love doing God's will. Your will is my rejoicing. That's a lie. Because it's not a rejoicing until after you obey. It's called the sufferings of Christ. Hallelujah. I ain't talking about sickness and poverty. I'm talking about you have a choice. God has given us each a free will. And Jesus went to that place of Gethsemane. And we talk about the blood that was shed at Calvary. What about the blood in Gethsemane? Nobody talks about the blood in Gethsemane. He shed those drops. His disciples fell asleep. They couldn't even combine him with him in that hour. Jesus was in Gethsemane. You need to really study this, okay? Because it's a pattern of how to please Abba in this hour. He did not want to drink the cup. It was divine destiny. Everything in heaven was for this moment. What if he didn't drink the cup? We would not be here right now. He said, not, I don't want this. Take it, come from me. And there's nothing wrong with you praying, Lord, I don't want to do this. That's not rebellion. That's just being honest. Lord, I don't want to do this. I ain't going to lie to you. I'm going to sit there and worship and I'll go where you go. I don't want to go to Africa, Lord. I don't want to go. <laughs> Think about it. And then you make a decision when his spirit moves and starts to soften us, okay? Will you do what I want you to do? And we miss our open window. They just can't launch the space shuttle whenever they decide on it. They has an open window when there's no debris, no space station, no satellites. We can't miss the open window this week. Come on, think about it. I said, I, I should be home in Israel right now. But my wife and I sense that God is doing something here, hallelujah, and that we should come back. I like it in Israel. Hallelujah. I like doing shofar drive-bys in Palestinian areas. Hallelujah. My son, I need to be there. My son just joined the special forces unit. Hallelujah. But God said, come back. 
So if he said, come back, let's make the best of it. Hallelujah. And I'm excited to be back. What's wrong with getting, taking just three days, a three-day course in how, how to do Gethsemane? <laughs> how to be crushed at the olive press? Well, I'm not sure if I, no, no, I'm not about pleasing him. Because once you please him, you don't have to pray about finances. It just comes in. When you please him, things just happen. You just got to keep, keep up with him. There's not the struggle. It says the way of the sinner is hard, but blessings pursue the righteous. And he said, nevertheless, Abba, not my will, your will be done. And at that moment, everything collapsed around him. But at that moment in the spirit realm, everything was one. <laughs> the chief priest committed the highest treason ever, murder of an innocent man. The religious system went after him. The prince of darkness, Judas manifested. All of his disciples ran away. Hallelujah. He thought, man, this is the end of this ministry. And it was just the beginning. Hallelujah. <laughs> the enemy had no idea. He over, always overplays his hand. He had no idea. Aha, we got him. And they pierced his side. They whipped him. Think about what they did. And the same thing happens in our life, not in terms of sacrifice for sins, but a sacrifice, hallelujah, for God's will to be done in a region, in a people's group, in a nation, or a family, hallelujah. Your obedience determines your family's, your obedience determines, hallelujah. You go on and on. I'm losing adjectives and adverbs here to describe But notice here it says, Behold, I have come to do thy will. Verse 9, he takes away the first in order to establish the second. Verse 12, But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. He is waiting for us to pray the same prayer to take out the enemy, just like he prayed that prayer and took out the prince of darkness once for all. Hallelujah. Is this exciting or what? Why have your ears dug out? Go with me to Exodus. For those who have not heard this, as we all get on the same page, this beautiful evening, hallelujah. Exodus 21. The Ten Commandments have just been given. Moses destroyed the tablets out of a fit of anger. They were rewritten. People were given the commandments. And the first thing that has to do with the commandments is how to deal with slavery. Now you have to understand that in our country, especially where I live right now, when I'm in America, which is Atlanta, that one of the biggest deceptions ever happened in American history 
Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee were spirit-filled Christians on fire for God. You should read their writings. But they were deceived about slavery. Is it possible for believers to be on fire for God and be deceived? Well, we see it. So it says in verse 1 of chapter 21, for those that are, these are the ordinances which are set before them. If you buy a Hebrew slave, serve for six years, but on the seventh he shall go out as a free man without payment. Now for the sake of time, let's verse 5. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and children, I will not go out as a free man, then his master shall bring him to God, he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, that he may serve him permanently. So a servant was freed, according to Hebrew law, was free to go, do what he wanted. But if this servant says, I love my master more than my own freedom, he would return to that house, and the master would take that slave, man or woman, and put his ear on the doorpost, which is the same word mezuzah in Hebrew. So one of the commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Put them as phylacteries on your head, okay, to fill in, and also put it on your doorpost. Whenever you walk in a door, you see the commandments, Shema Yisrael, it's on the doorpost, okay? But as a, let's just say a man went trading, say he was a trader with camels, frankincense myrrh, and he would go off, for months at a time, these caravans were over a thousand camels, by the way. And as they came back, he would come back to his house and he would look and as he would kiss the door, the doorpost, you know, remind him to love God with all of his heart, soul, and mind and strength. Underneath that would be the pieces of dried ears of slaves who had earned their freedom but loved their master more than their own freedom and came back and had their part of their ear placed on the door. And that master would say, there is a servant or a handmaiden that's in my house that loves me more than they love their own life. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. I can trust them with everything. (laughs) That is a bondservant. And we look in the the scriptures, especially in Exodus, uh, Isaiah, wonderful in Revelation, where the bondservants cry out, Lord, how long before you avenge our blood? If you read Isaiah, you see... What God does when people inflict judgment or disaster or evil on his bondservants. His bondservants, in one sense, are very helpless because they've given everything to him. And you cannot touch God's bondservants and get by with it because they are precious before God. In Hebrew, it's called Am Segula, which means chosen people, a precious treasure. Hallelujah. This helps bring the light tonight. I just feel a teaching anointing, so let's flow with it. The scripture, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How do you work out? I mean, we're born again. We're justified by the blood. How do you work out your salvation? You move past that point of just being born again to the place of Gethsemane, surrender, where you become no longer God's servant, but now bondservant. This is the order of maturity God's looking for. This is the sacrifices that please him. This is what he wants. He doesn't need a big group. All he needs is some bondservants and handmaidens, hallelujah, who want to do nothing but do his will. And they will bring out the order of the old, and they'll bring in the order of the new, hallelujah, of heaven. Glory to God. Woo! I want to draft with those people. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Make a career out of pleasing God. <laughs> okay, you ready? Let's go to let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 again. That was all introduction. But it's okay. I won't be long tonight. How many people say that tonight's message is for me? I wrote how many people wrote the, read the email I brought last week called triangulation. It's where you're lost, you know. You go back and take three triangles, you get the word trigonometry from it. You try to a known distance, two places, you try to get back to that place. You make a long story short, we're not trying to do mapping and survey and try to find our places, but we're trying to get people to a place where when's the last time God spoke to you? And if you're going through a rough siege right now, triangulate back to that. Don't try to keep asking God, you know, what's new? Go back to what he said before. Hallelujah. Go back. That's what Abraham did. Abraham made a big mess with Ishmael and Hagar. We're still dealing with that mess today. And God came back and says, I am the God of your... Isaac is the one. Hey, but I told you. And he re-triangulated back to that place. God's not mad if we miss it. God's mad if we miss it and we don't change. So tonight, as you know, just as you're hearing the preaching, start in your heart, going back to that first love, going back to that place where God has spoken you to do something. Hallelujah. God has spoken to you guys to move here and start a church. Hallelujah. You go back and you stay at that center. Hallelujah. You stay there. Tie yourself to it. Glory to God. You ain't going nowhere. Now, in this process of God waiting for his enemies to become his footstool under his feet, what are we supposed to do as we're in this yes but not yet of fulfillment? Many people believe you prayed for certain things and you have it already. Many people believe you have certain things you've already prayed for. But you've not seen it yet, right? It's called the yes but not yet. Okay, It's a mystery of faith. We have it inside of us. It's done. We just haven't seen it manifested yet. Okay, and so it says in verse 19, therefore, brethren, we have confidence enter the holy place, that's Hebrews 10, 19, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Since we have a great priest of the house of God, let us draw near a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking or assembling together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we're moving into a situation where it's not just God blessing me and I'm believing for this. We're talking about a macro picture, okay? We're talking about the whole house coming together. Jew and Gentile, male and female, one in Messiah. We're talking about the end time apocalyptic grand finale. All these little perfect wills of God are obeying them, all these bond servants, handmaids, and we're coming together for the greatest grand finale ever seen on planet Earth. Hallelujah. And it begins with the salvation of the Jewish people. Woo! Which is happening right now. So what are we supposed to do? Hold fast. Hold fast. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't forsake assembling together. 
I ain't talking about just going to church on Sunday. I'm talking about hanging out as a tribe together. You know what I mean? I had to get used to it in Israel. It's very tribal, very family. I talked more to my neighbors in seven weeks than seven years in Atlanta. And Atlanta is supposed to have Southern House hospitality, y'all. It's very tribal. Middle East is very tribal. And when you get back to that place, to stimulate one another, come on, hallelujah, to encourage one another, not to be coals separated from other coals and die out, not forsaking and assembling together as a habit of some. What is this day that is drawing near? Well, let's keep on reading as we start to conclude this evening. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth. Now, sinning willfully, that's full of our own will. Where we're supposed to be dying to our will. I want this. I, 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 I. I looked up in the Webster Dictionary, I, idiosyncrasy. Right next to it is the word idiot, too. <laughs> anyway, that's just the way my mind thinks. Verse 27, but a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which would soon the adversaries. Anyone who has set us all the law of, Mo- law of Moses dies without mercy in the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant which is sanctified and insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. We're not talking about the Lord judging the sinner. We're talking about God. These words here, he's judging those who will not obey. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But remember the former days when you were enlightened, you endured a great conflict of suffering. Probably by being made this public spectacle through reproaches, tribulations, probably by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. You showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you yourselves have a better possession, abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence as a great reward. You have the need of endurance that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Notice the idea of endurance. You don't have to run an Iron Man to figure out endurance in this hour, okay? Endurance is to endure. Perseverance is something personally severe. And you hang in, hallelujah, and you hold on and you don't let go. Glory to God. Because you've done the will of God. You've done what he said. All hell is moving against you. Come on, hallelujah. And you hang on and you don't give in. And you keep hanging out with people the same way. Hallelujah. Because it's hard to soar like an eagle when you're surrounded by turkeys. Now, what was the promise? We think, well, the promise of my kids to be saved, promises, you know, whatever. But let's put aside again those small little thinkings and say, what is God? What is his promise? That's just beyond just California getting saved and Paso Robles having revival and my kids, you know, and this and somebody else and the United Way getting all the money to help the kids and the orphans. And think about this. What is God's promise? What is this big picture 
then we're all tying ourselves to this old rugged cross, hallelujah, and not letting go. What is this thing we're heading into? The rapture? No! Not yet. It says the angels long to catch a clear glimpse into the glories that are to follow. Not just the sufferings of Christ, but the glories to follow. What is it the angels are longing to look into? What is it we have the grandstands full of heaven looking down to us to run this faith? race of faith. What is it that we're looking for? Well, verse 37 gives us the key. For yet in a very little while he was coming will come will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Interesting here. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. What is this faith? Before we can go further into Hebrews 11, there is a faith here that we need to dive into. And it's a direct quotation here, Habakkuk chapter 2. Go with me to Habakkuk chapter 2. Hallelujah. What was it that caused these Jewish people to rejoice that their property was being seized? What was it that caused these people to endure a great conflict of suffering? Well, you have to understand the sufferings, you know, especially Jewish believers. When I got saved, my whole family kicked me out of the house, disowned me, prayed Kaddish for me, prayed that I was dead, you name it. Okay? At any time, I know a friend at ORU that um, he's a young Jewish man, came to my office when I was a teacher at ORU, Sat down and says, listen, I need to share my testament with you because my family thinks I'm crazy. I'm a new Christian. I'm on fire for Jesus. My grandfather invented the Oreo cookies. I have a, over a $100 million trust fund in my name that my grandparents made for me, and they've removed it from me because I believe in Jesus. He says, and I've decided to follow Jesus. I said, come on, brother, give me five. Hallelujah. I don't know many people that could do that. Why? Because God got a hold of us. Hallelujah. Because Jewish people were pre-wired for the glory realm. Hallelujah. We were the janitors and the custodian of the glory realm. Hallelujah. We were the butchers, the kosher butchers. Hallelujah. That took care of the sacrifices. But we are pre-wired for the glory. Hallelujah. And when we experience this Shekinah glory once again, hallelujah, through the person of Jesus, it makes us go crazy for him. Hallelujah. I got a homing signal. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what caused all these Jewish people, what were they hanging on to in, in Hebrews? Verse 1 of chapter 2. I'll stand on my guard post. I'll station myself on the rampart. I'll keep watch to see what he'll speak to me, how I'm reply when I'm reproved. And then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision. And we've talked about this before, but it, we need to all get on the same page where we're going this week. Inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads may run. Hallelujah. And you can run until you own all the franchises of Burger King in Southern California, okay? You can run to build this and build that. Come on. You can run and run. I want to run the race that means something. Hallelujah. Because I've already run an Olympic race. I've already got a silver medal, okay? Big deal. Whoopie-doo. Hallelujah. It was fun. It made me happy for about a day. Hallelujah. I said, okay, Lord, what's next? Hallelujah. 
I want to run this race that has eternal reward. Hallelujah. That when I appear before him, he says, well done. He didn't say medium rare. He says, well done, good and faithful. You've been faithful in little. I'll make you ruler over much. Hallelujah. I can't wait to see what all this universe he has. Hallelujah. And then he's going to burn it up and create a new one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The vision's yet for the appointed time. He says, though at Terry's, wait for it. What's the vision? Verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the macro vision of all the scripture. This is the last thing David said before he died in Psalms. He said, let his whole earth be filled with his glory. Moses said, the whole earth be filled with your glory. God says, hallelujah. The vision we're to run with in this hour is for his glory to fill this earth. But he'll only reveal his glory through humble bond servants. Only people that have persevered. Only people that have been crushed. Only people that have gone through the dark hour of Gethsemane where it's not my will, but your will be done. Hallelujah. And you have continual Gethsemanes. Paul says, I die daily. We die that Christ's glory may appear in you. We don't have time. You can read it, 2 Corinthians 4. He talks about, you know, the sufferings of his present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. Hallelujah. Think about this. And this is the whole thing the enemy does. Satan, the God of this age or world, has blinded the minds of them that they not see the light of the glory. You talk about the cross, talk about heaven, all these things. But Satan does not want people to catch a glimpse of the glory realm. Because once they do, that's it. Hallelujah. He's lost them. Glory to God. It's like when you, it's like raising a porpoise in your aquarium and your, or who raised a porpoise in your bathtub, okay? You take care of it, you feed it real great, you know. But once that porpoise smells salt water, hallelujah, in the open bay, hallelujah, you'll never, he never will go back to the bathtub. Once people see the glory realm, they do not want to serve a devil anymore. Woo! Hallelujah! But God will not share his glory with anybody. And if you're in this meeting tonight, you should be so thankful. Your, melt, your heart should melt like butter. Hallelujah. That he's allowing you to learn about the glory realm. Hallelujah. Allowing to give him, even give him glory. Hallelujah. That we were predestined and elected to be here. Hallelujah. To learn how we can please him more. And the prophet, chapter 3, because of this vision, the now you have to understand what's happening here. He's having the most incredible, this is the number one revelation of the Bible. The just shall live by faith. Galatians 3, Romans 1, Hebrews 10. The just shall live by faith. You all know that, right? It's the whole mystery of the New Testament, the Pauline revelation, the just shall live by faith. But that scripture, the just shall live by faith, is only found in one place in the Bible. It's right here in Habakkuk chapter 2. You say, well, where is that? Well, Look at verse 4. As the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. That little mustard seed scripture is the entire revelation in the entire New Testament. Hidden from everybody else, brought out through the Pauline revelation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yet that scripture is embedded in a place 
where Babylonian army is beating down the doors of Jerusalem and the prophet is crying out saying, what am I going to do? You see, during the worst times that's coming upon our nation, and if Obama is one of those forerunners for it, instead of us flipping out, okay, and manifesting and getting mad, we should rejoice, hallelujah, because in the gross darkness, our light's going to shine. Arise, shine, your light has come. This is the greatest adventure ever, hallelujah. This greatest revelation that came in the midst of an impending judgment, another holocaust. When I witness the Jewish people, if they're usually slacker, they say, well, if God is alive, why did he allow the holocaust? And I say, which holocaust? Germany. Oh, what about the Jewish people that were destroyed in Jerusalem in 70 AD, over a million destroyed by the Roman army Titus. What about 587 and Nebuchadnezzar? What about Samaria, the 10 tribes killed in 721? What about all the babies thrown in the river Nile during Moses' time? Which Holocaust are you talking about? Please tell me. And if they're still listening by then, you can draw, draw them in and say what happened because of Deuteronomy chapter 28. If we would not Listen, oh, that's a good one, Lord. Ooh, hallelujah. I just got an email. Deuteronomy 28 says, if you listen to the voice of the Lord your God, in Hebrew it's Shema Tishma. In your listening, listen. You got to write that down. Deuteronomy 28. King James says, you know, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings will come upon you. And the Hebrew is Tishma Shema, which means in your listening, listen. You know, I can sit there with my iPhone in the airport lounge waiting for that lady to say, okay, zone four can board. And I can actually be reading and listening to something and still listen to her. I can multitask. You know, we can do that. But I'm, I'm listening, but I'm not really listening. I do it all the time. My wife says, are you listening to me? Of course I'm listening. No, you're not. Look at me. <laughs> That's what God is trying to tell us. In your listening, listen. Hallelujah. In your listening, listen. Hallelujah. And so the, it says in Deuteronomy, that's why the Holocaust came and the riddle of it. You can read about it later. Yet the prophet breaks into a place of chapter 3, verse 1, as I conclude, which I want to go to this week which is totally legal, (laughs) totally sanctioned by God, but unknown or feared by believers who like to keep things in control. It's called the Shaginoth. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to the Shaginoth. Now what is Shaginoth? Shaginoth in Hebrew is the root Mishigah, which means somebody who is mentally ill. The elevator does not go to the top floor. Hamburger short of a Happy Meal. Okay? And and we have two words for somebody who's crazy in Hebrew. One is Mishigah, which is like certifiable. Okay? The other one is Sarut, which means scratched. The 
the record is still good, just one song keeps on replaying and scratched, okay? So that person isn't totally crazy, they're sarut, say that, sarut. They're scratched. But somebody who's mishiga is like a danger to themselves and everybody else. Totally gone, nobody's home, okay? And this is the word in Hebrew for this type of prayer and worship Habakkuk launched into. And they thought we're crazy here now? <laughs> ah! Hallelujah! You say, Scott, does that really mean that? Yes. It means you're crazy wild for him. Hallelujah. Swing from the chandeliers. Hallelujah. Or the fluorescence. Glory to God. Why? Because in the midst of this judgment coming on Jerusalem, there was a remnant, hallelujah, that understood that God's glory is going to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea, and they're going to be faithful. And it was this sacrifice that God was well pleased. It was this type of faith. He's looking for Hebrews chapter 11. Those who will not give in, those will not throw away. Come on, hallelujah. Faith to see his glory cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And when you enter this realm, you'll enter into a place of praise and worship that makes you so unorthodox, hallelujah, you'll scare people. Look at what he prays here. The only place revival is mentioned in the Old Testament is right here in the midst of this highly emotional, poetic song. Hallelujah. Be careful, don't criticize those that get in it. McCall didn't have any children after she criticized David when he was in the Shaginah. Hallelujah. Coming back, dancing before the glory of the tabernacle. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Hallelujah. This is the realm we're invited into for those who want to go. Or if you just want sports to do that for you. It don't work. Hallelujah. Everybody's looking for this. Yesterday we were, I was in... Arizona with my family and we went to this place and we saw these brand new baby deer. Brand new fawns. Hallelujah. There's four of them. Must have been two sets of twins. There's only two mothers. And they were frolicking and playing and dancing. And that's one of the Hebrew words here for this realm. Hallelujah. And if creation can do it, and we billion dollar industry is nature and zoos and sea world and every why? Because people are looking for the for this missing joy that creation displays all of creation shows the attributes of god his eternal godhead his power hallelujah and people are going to look at porpoises that act like humans seals that act like humans why because man has lost that same place of frolicking and joy that is in creation You go to the most beautiful, was it Sedona? Yeah, Sedona. We went there with my sister yesterday. Beautiful. Beautiful. But you look around, here's people that worship nature more than the creation creature. They worship creature more than the creator. Excuse me. Hallelujah. And you look around, the whole city is given over to witchcraft and the occult. UFOs, you name it. They're all like, we got these, we got these portals here, you know, and these energy tornadoes and this and this. I'm like, man, this place is demonized. Yeah, 
and all these people flying in and out of there, see a bunch of red rocks, you know? Why? It's because when, when our culture, come on, folks, Romans chapter 1 stops to give thanks. Come on, go with me, Romans 1. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. You're good tonight, Lord. I love you. Look, verse 17. The righteous shall live by faith. Romans 1, 17. Romans. That's a direct quotation from Habakkuk. We just read that. Okay, and then notice the just shall live by faith. The context is to live by faith for the vision of the glory of God to fill the earth. Not just faith for healing or something else. It's the macro faith. And then he talks about the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Men who suppress the truth. That which is known by, about God is evident within them, for God made it evident. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, verse 20, his eternal power, divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, that they are without excuse. We don't have to preach the gospel. God's already preaching the gospel through creation. We just follow up. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They became futile in their speculations. Their foolish heart was darkened. What's that? They knew God. Every human knows God. He knows through creation there is a God. So when did they get darkened? It says here, oh, this is powerful, folks. They quit honoring him or giving thanks. They became futile, professing to be wise, became full, exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for image and form of corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, crawling creatures, and God gave them over to the lust of their heart. To impurity, their bodies may be dishonored among them. Exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and ever. This reason God gave them over to what? Impurity, passions, lesbianism, homosexuality, destruction. So I'm in that place yesterday, beautiful. If you've ever been there, seen pictures of it, it's just incredible, right? But what happened, you have a community of people that quit giving thanks to God, and God gave them over. They worshiped the creation more than the creator. Have you noticed people that, you know, the, the Greenpeace and the, and the tree huggers and all those people, you know, the environmental people, have you noticed how anti-God they are? The Mother Earth and all that stuff? Why? And, you know, they're some of the most hostile people I've ever witnessed to. Why? God, some of those people, God gave them over to it because they knew God. Come on, folks, come on. Think about this. They're, high, they're, they're all over this West Coast, aren't they? We got to find the ones that are open. Hallelujah. The other ones that are degraded and gone. You wonder why the rise of homosexuality and all this stuff going on? It's because people are worshiping the creation more than the creator. That's what Romans 1 says. So you have to worship somebody. Go back to Habakkuk. 
that helping anybody tonight? I never seen so many whacked out people as I saw yesterday. Every other store was new age or, you know, crystals and rocks and, you know, read your palms and take Jeep rides and see some UFOs at night. I'm like, these people are. Say, brother, are you against UFOs? Come on, demons can manifest. The Lord wants to take us into the Habakkuk, the Shaginoth this week. And that's why there's just a teaching anointing here now. Just to flow along. A prayer of Habakkuk, chapter 3, according to the Shaginoth. It's also quoted in Psalm 7. David got so wild in praise. Called a highly emotional, didactic psalm. Lord, I've heard the report about thee, and I fear. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covers the heavens. The earth is full of his praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. His... He has rays flashing from his hand. There is the hiding place of power. Before him goes pestilence. That's amazing, isn't it? Before him goes the swine flu. A plague comes after him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. Ancient hills were collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Kushan under distress. That's Saudi Arabia. Praise God. Hallelujah. I saw the tent kerns of the land of Midian were trembling. That's parts of Egypt. Come on, folks. This is power. Did the Lord rage against the rivers? You can keep on reading this. Verse 11. Sun and moon stood in their places. They went away at the light of thine arrows, at the radiance of thy gleaming spear. Verse 16. I heard and my inward parts trembled. At the sound, my lips quivered. Decay entered my bones. In my place, I tremble because I must wait quietly for the day of distress for the people to arise who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, there be no fruit on the vines. Though the yield of the olives should fail, the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places. There it is, folks. It doesn't matter what's in the bank. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what's coming or what has been. Hallelujah. All that matters is that we enter into a place of faith. Hallelujah. And faith comes by hearing. Hallelujah. And as we listen to what he says, hallelujah, and we recalibrate and say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't obey you there. Lord, forgive me for wanting to sleep in. I never would have met that general. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Oh, okay. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, put inside of me an early warning radar system to listen. Hallelujah. One last scripture, 1 Kings chapter 3. That's why God was so pleased with Solomon. Hallelujah. Thank you for being patient tonight. I know it's a lot of scriptures. 
but you guys rather have steak than just <laughs> we're just getting warmed up hallelujah ha <laughs> God is good, isn't he? 1 Kings 3 and verse 8. Solomon begins to, verse 7 says, I'm a little child. I don't know how to go in and go out. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people which cannot be numbered or counted for multitude. So give thy servant what? Understanding heart, other translation or other references say wisdom. So what's the purpose of getting wisdom? To be a wise guy? Wisdom, to know what to invest in in Wall Street, what not to? Well, the wisdom is actually, Solomon did not ask for wisdom or understanding. That's the English translation. He asked for lev shomeah. It's the same word, Shema Yisrael. Lev Shomea means a hearing or listening heart. We think Solomon asked for wisdom to name all the animals and all the species and Sheba, Queen of Sheba came and she was amazed by his wisdom. That's not the Hebrew concept. Wisdom, there's two types of wisdom in the world today. There's humanistic wisdom which came out of the Greco-Roman society. It's a, it's a wisdom of man, wisdom of the intellect a sage, an experiential wisdom, okay? And then there's a wisdom of listening. The Hebrew wisdom is different than the Greco-Roman wisdom, okay? He's a wise guy because he has all these university degrees, you know, and whatever. He looks like Father Time and... No, that's humanistic, worldly wisdom. Hebrew wisdom is very simple. Listen. So Solomon asked for a hearing heart. He opened satellite dish to hear. You say, why are you teaching this? But I have so I have thousands of emails in my inbox of people saying, Can you pray for me? I don't know if it's God's will for me to do this or that. I'm like, Can you just listen? He's God. He'll tell you exactly what he wants you to do. Give me a hearing heart, understanding in, in English, to do what? To do what? To judge. to judge. Ooh. That's like a forbidden word today in Christianity. Don't judge me. Wait a minute. Give me a hearing heart to judge thy people. Why? To discern between good and evil. That's why I like coming to this pulpit. Hallelujah. Come on, folks, amen. I want to discern, because my sermon's always on sometimes, amen? I have blind spots just like you do. That's why we need one another. We need shepherds in this hour. Come on, folks, hallelujah. That will teach us, they will hear from heaven, and they'll not give us just a word to stroke us nicely, hallelujah. They'll give us a word to teach us to discern between what is good and right, what is pleasing and what is spotter. Come on, what is 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what I want. And what did the Lord say, verse 10? And it was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Forget about long life, revenge on his enemies, and wealth like you could never imagine. Come on, hallelujah. Forget about those things. Solomon asked for wisdom to judge. 
He asked for a hearing heart to discern. Glory to God. Is this what you want me to do, Lord? How do I judge this great number of people? I got to fill my father's shoes, David. Oh, they. And they didn't like him anyway. Why? Because he was the son of Bathsheba. Come on. They got all kinds of problems going on. Absalom, all those other things that happened. But you have this moment in time where Solomon is scared to death of these people. They're great, numerous. My father, how can I do this? I'm not a child. I don't know what to do. And But he asked the right thing. Hallelujah. And may you tonight write the, uh, ask the right thing. I keep on getting confused between English and Hebrew. Sorry about that. <laughs> I came back in the customs. I walked through the airport. And the U.S. immigration officer looked at me and says, Welcome home. Uh, I, I, I was, didn't know if I should speak English or Hebrew to him. I was like, you speak English, boy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Where are you from? I'm a Jew from Oklahoma, hallelujah. And I'm in a strange land right now, even though I was born and raised here. <laughs> Lord, I delivered what you put in my heart tonight. And we worship you, Father, tonight. You're awesome. You're wonderful. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I just want to thank you tonight for your word tonight. We're going to conclude the service. We're going to pray for people tomorrow night. I just feel led right now as I was praying just to, I'm not sure if it's for everybody or if one person, it doesn't matter. But the Lord says, realign yourself with what, what I've already spoken to you to do. Realign yourself. That's between you and the Father. Hallelujah. For me, it was, I want you to move to Israel. And I said, No. I don't want to move to Israel. The people there are mean. And they don't have Dunkin' Donuts there. <laughs> they don't. And I don't want to live there. And I don't want to learn another. Aye, 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 aye. Are you with me, brothers and sisters? I'm so glad I obeyed. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I have a wife who's a commando. Hallelujah. Thank God for her. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we're in a time where we need to obey him. There's a perversion of the gospel. There's a gospel being preached that pleases man. It doesn't really please God. It's time to please God in this hour. So realign yourself. Maybe he's told you you need to love your wife as Christ loves the church, and you've fallen from that. Maybe he's told you to, to tithe. You've not been tithing. Maybe he's told you to go call that person up. And ask him to forgive you. Maybe he's told you you need to get up at 4 a.m. and pray. Maybe he's told you that you're doing too much and you need to sit down and be quiet. I don't know what he's saying to you, but you know, hallelujah, because his Holy Spirit, his purpose is bring you in remembrance of what he has spoken to you. Glory to God. And we grieve the Spirit by not listening to what the Spirit is saying. Hallelujah. Because sometimes we don't want to hear. Well, tonight God wants to give you a frontal lobotomy. Hallelujah. He wants the guillotine of his word to drop on your brainstem. Hallelujah. 
You can eat the good way or you can eat the hard way. It's up to you. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you've known him and you've backslidden from him, I encourage you to come running home to Abba's house. He loves you. He's wooing you, hallelujah, in this hour of his power. Maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but there's some areas in your life where you're only 90% on fire, and God's targeting that 10% tonight. Don't let fear paralyze you. Don't phobia of the unknown. What if I do this? What if? Don't say what if. Just be thankful he's still speaking to you. Just be thankful he hasn't hardened you and given you over to your sin. Just be thankful he hasn't sent a big well to swallow you. Be thankful tonight that you can still hear his conviction. Be thankful tonight you can still hear his wooing. Be thankful tonight he still wants to correct you. Because whom the Father loves, he corrects. Hallelujah. Thank you for it. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says, if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they'd be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 
777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.